everybody and welcome to another episode of this new podcast, Are You Over It Yet? My name is Ruth Jennings and after losing my husband Andrew to cancer when he was only 32, there's been so much about grief that I really didn't understand before experiencing it. This podcast is an open discussion about grief and how we deal with the death of someone we love while we're still living. It is my privilege to announce today's guest. She is a wonderful local musician here in Northern Ireland, and she's not only an incredible singer, but also an extremely talented pianist and violinist. She spends her days performing at weddings, funerals, parties, and taking choirs and workshops. And she even happens to sing with me in the Swing Gals. She's a wonderful woman, and I know you're going to love listening to her. It is Claire Galway. Hello. Hello. Oh, that introduction made me smile. <laughs> I know. I kind of feel like you should just have someone to walk around with you all the time and introduce you. Introduce that me way. just that way. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Glowing good, good for your ego. <laughs> totally. How are you, Claire? Anyway. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Here just... to relax without your children. Yes, this is a little escape, isn't it? Just going to get a wee hour and a half away, like to yourself, just and talk about myself. <laughs> I know. That's true. That's exactly yeah. what I'm hoping you'll do. Yeah. Um, so, Claire, um, I'm wanting to talk to you about your dad today, who, who sadly passed away quite a lot of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, can you, first of all, just tell me a bit about him? Tell me his name, what he was like, that kind of thing. Yeah, okay. So, um, his name was, he was actually born Thomas Henry Galway, but for some reason, he was he got the name Hillary Galway okay. as a kid and it just stuck. It seemed to be really common years ago. Yeah, yeah. where people just weren't called their names. Yeah. So, so yeah, Hillary Galway and um, he was a local musician. He played for all sorts of different types of bands. Um, like yeah, kind of like me. Yeah. And it never I never really meant for it to work out that way, but it's kind of nice, I suppose. But um he uh would have played with Keely bands, the the old show bands that would have toured wow. around. What was his instrument? Piano. Okay. But he also played trumpet, mouth organ or harmonica, um, and accordion, the wow. piano accordion. Okay. Um, and he had a good enough voice, but it, that wasn't his main instrument. <laughs> but, but yeah, so mainly a piano player. And back in those days, every hotel, every bar had a piano. Yeah. And he just would have like literally had a little residency somewhere for a while, move yeah. on to the next place. Um, so yeah, our, our house was just full of music well, growing lovely. up, which was yeah really, really nice. Um, he didn't read a speck of sheet music. So it was oh, just okay. all all yeah all in his head just that that talent to just know stuff yeah you know he just knew he knew the piano inside out and was he the kind of person then if you just said oh can you play this can you play that if he'd known he could play that yeah totally totally yeah just picking things up really quickly you know and what was his character like you know what was his personality like oh yeah um i would say like devilish (laughs) like charming witty wicked sense of humor okay (laughs) um just a funny, funny, charming man, yeah. you know. Um, I could, I could say like he was married twice before okay. my mum. Okay. So that kind of yeah, charming, charming musician, <laughs> talented, you know. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of tells the story of like yeah. what, what he was like. Um, but yeah, like uh, from what I can remember, he was just really good fun. Yeah. Um, obviously, I was a daughter and I was yeah. a real daddy's girl. Yeah. So there was always that real connection between the two of us, you know. That, and that do bond. you have any really particular memories about the two of you, you know, when you were little or anything? Oh, my word. Oh, God. So many, like random ones, like yeah. playing tennis or badminton. <laughs> we oh, played really? badminton in the summer times. Um, like just in our driveway, you know, something so silly as that. Yeah. Um, 
sitting beside him on the piano stool in our front room. Yeah. And he was teaching me the bluebells of Scotland. Da, 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 I remember it so clearly. Um, Musicians that aren't listening to this are going oh, to be going, what are you talking oh, about? Sorry, yeah. sorry. No, 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 I know exactly. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> but yeah, it was one of those real like pianistic techniques. Yes. Yeah. Um, and he was like, obviously teaching it to me completely yeah. by ear. And that's that's a really nice memory to have of like just literally sitting beside him and um, him just showing me both hands separately and then how to put it together. Yeah. And yeah, but so many little random things, you yeah. know, musical things and not musical things and you know, um, just watching him doing the crossword and, yeah. you know, silly things like that. Yeah. yeah. No, but sometimes the wee little memories are the ones you remember the most, I think, yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, totally. And so I believe he got cancer. Is that right? Yes. Um, yeah. So do you remember the time of his diagnosis and do you remember like how that came about and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, like my dad, uh, I remember my mum saying that he'd had a heart attack just after I was born. So, okay. um, and he had bypass surgery. So he'd been in and out of hospital a little bit, um, you know, when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it must've been just like a routine kind of, uh, checkup on a cough that he had. Okay. And then it came about that he had mesothelioma. Um, so lung cancer. Right, okay. Um, and my dad never smoked. Um, he did at one point work on the shipyards, uh, at Harland and Wolf as like a timekeeper. Oh, okay. Um, and there was, there was asbestos. a link between asbestos. Yes. Yes. Okay. And then obviously he worked in hotels and bars where people would smoke yes. all night. Yes. So this probably aggravated mm-hmm. or, you know, um, was a contributing factor definitely. Yeah. Um, but I, he was diagnosed, um, it was, would have been 2000 because they, they said that he'd only have about six months because okay. they'd find it quite late. Uh, it's a very aggressive kind of cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until two years later then that he, he passed away. So it's 2002. Okay. Um, and in 2000, I would have been 13 ish. Okay. So like a really awkward yeah. time of anybody's life, yeah. you know, um, so I remember the diagnosis, uh, my mom, I, they just told me in the, in the living room, like kind of brought me together and, yeah. and, and kind of broke the news. And my, my mom was just a complete wreck, like yeah. just completely went to pieces. Um, and I, I just, I don't know, I suppose as a young person, you're just kind of, oh, okay. Okay. Would you your really mom understand. have been like that as a character anyway? Like, would she have been the kind of person who would have you know, easily cried or was that the first time you'd have ever seen no, something like that? No, no, I would never have really noticed anything like that right, growing okay, up. Okay. Now I, I know that she's actually the most open, yeah. emotional person. But back then, like there was no reason to yeah. see her in that way. So mm-hmm. it was it was scary. Yeah. You know, and my dad, I think, probably shed a couple of tears, but was very much positive about yeah. things. And and mum, of course, was positive as well, you know, trying yeah. to but you could really see like it really broke something in her yeah. just for that because like my mom's not from here she's from the philippines and she yeah. left her family mm-hmm. we had she has no like blood family over yeah. here whatsoever so it's just her and my dad yeah so that th- the fact that obviously obviously me of course but, <laughs> but um that was her world starting to crumble yeah you know her whole world starting to crumble so um yeah there was obviously that that was a, a big big thing for her 
But yeah, that was a very strange day. And how were the next two years then? You know, were they were they sort of filled with treatment or was he just kind of quite lucky and just sort of did pretty well for a couple of years? Or how did that work out? Yeah, well, he was brought in for chemotherapy. Yeah. And that is such a, oh, it's just a, a yeah. long, long, tiring road. process mm-hmm. um, for anyone to undergo. And yeah, it was tough going. I think as a kid, though, a lot of it probably just went over my head a little bit yeah like looking back you know I just kind of thought oh it's okay it's it's okay like he's in good form you know that kind of thing and and did he make a big effort do you think to kind of keep being in good form with you and keep being a good bad and stuff well that was his personality anyway like I don't think he really got anything not nothing really got him down he was just like oh I'll just carry on you know keep I'm all right we're fine yeah um and like yeah like we went to halt on holiday to Ten, was it Tenerife or Lanzarote? One of the one of the Canary Islands. <laughs> one of those places. Yeah, yeah. Whenever he was actually really sick, it was after it was in between treatments. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Dad had to get a wheelchair um, at the hospital or at the airport. Um, and I remember as a kid going, "Oh God, this is a wee bit embarrassing." You know, the things that go through your head is like I think it must have been fourteen by that point. It's like, oh my God, you know, like it just, oh, Daddy's in a wheelchair. You know? Yeah. Um, but we said we had a great time. But then he he had a, a bad turn when we were away. Right. Okay. And that was really scary. That okay. was really scary. And my mom, I know, was um, really worried that we would actually lose him when we were out there. Oh goodness. Um, okay. But uh, you know, the, the doctor came out, and actually everything turned out to be okay. Yeah. Um, and we got home all right. <laughs> Do you know, I remember going to Spain in June 2018 when Joel was only about two with Andrew and my mum and dad. And um, when we got there, there was this ridiculously massive queue for the car to get cars. I think it was Eurocar or whatever. Oh, right, yes. And I think Andrew had booked the car or else my mum had. But it must be mum because dad wouldn't have given off as much if it had been Andrew. So um, he gave off, dad gave off so much because it was this ridiculous, I mean, ridiculous queue like as took up half the airport queue but there'd been some deal on <laughs> mom was like it was a really good deal and he was like I don't care I'd have paid an extra hundred quid that we didn't have to sit here for two hours it was madness <laughs> but there was this wee girl who went up with a broken leg and her mom was like oh she can't wait she was about eight she can't wait and to the top of the queue and they just gave, they just literally sorted her out she got a car right. but Andrew looked so well at this particular point because his, his hair had grown back and he was looking great he didn't look like he had cancer and mom was like do you think we should go up and say, <laughs> and say he's got a brain tumor? And I was like, Mom, that's terrible. But, uh, and Andrew was just like, let's do it, let's do it. And I remember us thinking a month later when all his hair had gone again and he'd got like his treatment on, we'd have definitely got it at got this up point. To the front of yeah. the queue. So it's just funny about you saying, um, yeah. like it was really embarrassing, but uh, you know, yeah, we I were going to play on it. I, I know, well, that's not, not really good to say the perks, but yes, exactly. there's exactly that's everything, some. I suppose. There has to be some. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. so I'm assuming you got home and everything. And yes, and it was it was fine. But I think that was when the reality for me sunk in that that was probably going to be our last holiday together. Right, okay. You know, you know, so whereas before that, because he'd never really been ill like mm-hmm. that in front of me, there was no escaping. Like we're in a little chalet, yes. you know, and I could hear him, t- you know, not very well in the night. Yes. Because I was just next door. You know, yeah. And then my mum kind of 
you know, a, a worried voice from my mum. Yeah. Um, whereas in our house, we had, we grew up in a, or I grew up in a, a big house. Yes. We kind of lose each other yeah. there, you know. Um, so if anything like that did happen, like he was unwell from the chemo, yeah. it probably was hidden from me. Yeah. You know, so. And do you think that was an intentional a lot of the time, you know? Oh, yeah. 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 And when he did finally pass away, what was that? What was that day like? How did that sort of pan out? Yeah, um, it was in, it was during the night or okay. well, like in the evening. Um, and my mum and I had been back and forth to the hospice, mm-hmm. um, for, you know, the, the guts of like two weeks. Okay. Um, and my mum actually had her sister over from Australia. Mm-hmm. So her big sister, she's the, the eldest of seven, um, Auntie Flora. So she came just as a bit of a support. And, you know, as a kid, I did just did not twig. Yeah. Like, honestly, I was like, oh, brilliant. Auntie Flora's over. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's the first time I, I think it was the first time. Oh, no, no, no. Not the first time I met her. Because um, mum and dad had actually flown me out to stay with Auntie Flora in Australia when I was 13 after the diagnosis. Just to kind of, just for as a little bit of a lift for me. And it was a great adventure. So I'd met her previously. And then I was like, oh, brilliant. Auntie Flora has come here. And she's, yeah. and um, yeah, my dad was sick. I, I don't think I realized what a hospice was back then. Yeah. You know, everything was just, you know, obviously there was after, all, around that time, there's a lot of blur with what my memories are. And, you know, um, how, you know, I remember a lot of things from photographs around that time. Because yeah. I do think that um, maybe my memories are maybe slightly skewed yeah. um, just because of the emotions that were going yeah, on around course. at that time. And then flipping the hormones of being a teenager yeah. as well. <laughs> of course, crazy <laughs> time that, Yeah, life. crazy mm-hmm. time. But um, yes, uh, at this particular time, I hadn't went to the hospice um, and both of them came home and uh, it must have been quite late. I'd stayed up. It must have been maybe about nine o'clock, half nine or so and they just came in and my mum just said daddy's gone mm-hmm. and um and you know through and then she just burst out into tears and auntie Flora was there to comfort and hug us and mm-hmm. and yeah I think I, I, I must have just cried and cried with her and yeah. they were getting lots of things ready like obviously after the death then there's that frantic scurrying yeah in the house to to set everything straight yeah. and Oh, I don't know all those all the things that happen. As again, I'm not really sure exactly what yeah. happened because I wasn't really part of any yeah. of that. Um, and um, and after that initial kind of shock and and tears, were you then relatively calm or you yeah. know did, yeah yeah it, it like it all just came out. Then Mum and Auntie Flora took themselves off to to do I don't know what they did, but all yeah. you know just to. To, to start to sort things um and I took myself into the back room where we had we had two pianos in our house one in the front room one in the back room and I just played I just played a piece from memory like an Enya yeah. piece uh an Enya instrumental piece called watercolor yeah and it was just my way of <sighs> yeah like a breath
I actually like that I did that. Like, think back, like, oh, that that's that's a nice thing if for me to If you were to, to hear done. that now, would that always... Totally. Yeah, you'd always Every time that. I play it, I'm, like, taken back into our back room after hearing yeah. that and after hearing the news. And it just makes me stop and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just think about that idea that yeah he's no longer here he's he's moved on yeah you know so yeah it's it's yeah it's strange did you go to the funeral then yes yeah yeah, yeah. it was such a strange like you shouldn't <laughs> laugh but you know just some uh, things in grief are funny though definitely yeah totally like I remember freaking out was when I wore I didn't have black clothes oh yeah <laughs> I think everyone yeah. goes to that that goes yeah. through that phase like what do I wear yeah um and I remember just wearing this mishmash of like clothes that I would never wear yeah. normally all black black coat and like I was absolutely roasting because yeah. it was April time oh good you know, you know? <laughs> and um the funeral just being like almost like an outer body experience okay you know um but I had my friends there which made everything so much better yeah you know but. um it's, when my grandpa died I remember going shopping the day after he died to get something to wear and when Andrew died I would have just worn something I had only because I just had Freddie. I was so fat I didn't fit into anything. <laughs> it was true. I genuinely didn't fit into any of my clothes. So I said to my sister, I have to go and buy something. And um, I remember just hoping, having gone to Farside, that I wouldn't meet anybody. Farside, anyone not listening to Northern Ireland, a uh, big shopping centre <laughs> in uh, just up the road. And you always meet someone. I always meet someone I know there. Oh, yeah. And I remember being really chuffed because I didn't meet anybody I knew. And I actually bought this really beautiful, colourful dress because I just thought Andrew would have loved this dress. And I bought it and I thought I hadn't met anyone I knew. And then when I went up to the counter to buy it, the girl behind the counter was like, oh, this is so beautiful. What's this for then? Oh, my word. Did you tell her? Well, I said, oh, sure, you wouldn't want to know. And she was like, was it for a wedding or something? And I said, oh, it's actually for my husband's funeral. Oh, my word. I was terrible and she just like like obviously complete and she was like oh my goodness I'm so so sorry I'm so sorry and then she said what was his name and I said oh it was Andrew Thompson and she went oh my goodness did he die and it turned out that he had taught her piano for three years I know so it was mental and she didn't know so then it was awful it was this really odd oh my word but she came round you can tell it's pre-covid she came round and just gave me a big hug and stuff so it was really nice but it was very strange and I've never worn that I've never worn that dress again that's the other thing then you're like everything it's like playing the music everything always always brings you back yeah I always thought if I wore it again it would just be strange because that's Hopefully it'll be too big for me now anyway. Oh, totally. Exactly. <laughs> just be a bag on you. <laughs> but, yeah. um, and then how was it? Did you go back to school straight away or did you take some time off or how did that? Oh, yeah. My, yeah I have a funny story here, actually. Um, yeah, so uh, I went to school actually, yeah, quite quickly after the funeral because I think my mum just wanted me to... Back into routine. Yeah, just, mm-hmm. and actually that was a great thing. Now, mm-hmm. there's actually a couple of funny stories about school. But, um... I remember uh, just after the death, we had lots of people to the house, obviously. Yeah, you know, that's that's how it works over here. And um, my principal arrived at my door and came into my house. And it was the strangest thing ever. And I, one thing I remember was that I had no shoes or slippers on. And I felt really weird that she saw my bare feet. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so weird. No, I But I remember that. as a kid, like yeah. I was 14, I was like, oh my God, I don't even have shoes on. Yeah. This is my principal. And she was... Um, Oh, she was a lovely woman, really lovely lady, but she was really quite stern. Okay. And I remember her talking to my mum going, this is, 
this is this isn't real life yeah. and she was being really nice to me and asking me how I was doing and all these little automatic responses came out like okay yeah all right thanks yeah. thanks for coming you know um, but it was studio. such a weird thing to have yeah. my principal I felt like I was in trouble yeah you know you know especially um, as a as a like a teenager you just you can't even imagine that teachers are real people oh, sort of yes it yeah was, I completely had that as yeah. well like teachers just exist in school they don't yeah. have lives outside of school yes. you know you're still at that stage where you see them at the supermarket and they might have their own children yes and you're like oh, are they are, are they are they really over there yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a movie or something yeah no absolutely um and yeah, I went straight back to school and it was just great to be around. I went to an all-girls school okay. and I loved school. I loved every minute of it. Okay. Um, and my friends were actually really great at that time. Like, you know, the, yeah. we, just, we just didn't know any better and they were all shocked for me and, and sad for me, but school just kind of went on as normal. We still did our pranks and... Yeah. messed around and yeah. that's exactly what I needed yeah. you know um but yes the, another aw- funny yet awful story <laughs> about school was that whenever I came back the first assembly which was maybe like we had a Friday assembly where the whole year group had come together okay they decided then to announce you know oh we're very very sorry um that you know, Claire Galway's father's passed away yeah. recently and we, we keep her in your hearts or keep keep her in your hearts and blah, blah, blah and said a prayer and I swear, I just wanted the grind to swallow me up. Oh, you were really embarrassed, yes. were you? Oh, yeah. I was just, oh, I was only 14. I was just, this, yeah. I'm different. I suppose I've grown now, obviously. Yeah. I've grown as a person, but I just wanted, I just wanted to just, I didn't want that to be announced. Yes. And nobody really came up and asked for that. It was just like, oh, this is the done thing. That was well, that was what was done yeah. every time there was a death. But then when it was me, it was just like, oh no, I could just feel all the faces turned towards yeah. you. And it's like, don't no, don't look at me, don't look at me. Yeah. You know, I was always afraid of that I might break down as well. Of course, like yeah. that that it was it's official. You yeah. know, everyone knows. Um I That's- just find that a bit strange. You know, it's kind of a bit, that's a really, really strange thing, actually, because I was going to ask you about things that were helpful and unhelpful. Mm. But for many people, I'm sure they'd have been upset if it hadn't been announced. You oh, know, it's totally. such a hard, that's a yes. really hard thing to know. Oh, of course. What to do and how to. Of course. Um, You know, how to deal with that in the right in the right way yeah um, and I guess now, of course, everybody announces everything on social media. And yes. um, <laughs> I remember thinking some of the people not most of them, but some of the people that, that wrote about Andrew on Facebook really barely knew him. And then other people that he was really, really close to didn't write anything. And I remember thinking both ways, that was sort of strange. And it's, mm. I guess it's, yeah, there isn't really a right or wrong with that. Yeah. Um, did you find either friends or family or whatever did anything either or both something that was really helpful, you know, to you, especially in the early days of grief or something that was very unhelpful? Um. Well, as I've said before, like my friends were uh, just little angels back then. They don't yeah. even realise. And the nice thing is I'm close to them. Still? I'm still, I'm still really close to them. I actually yeah. met one of them this morning. Um, she's had her second child and I'm like on my second child. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and it's just really nice that we're still really close. Yeah. And like, I think, you know, back then something helpful that they did was just acknowledge like it was the hugs I think you know 
my 14-year-old self was so self-conscious, introverted yes. um, when in social situations, I would say. Yeah. Um, and parts of that still come out in my part. People think that I'm quite lively and bubbly, but in, in big social situations, I can be just a bit more observant. Yeah. But back then, very much so. Um, and they just, they just got it, you know, yeah. like other 14-year-old girls just, you know, kind of got that. Yeah. And it was just, uh, you know, I'm really sorry. I'm so sad about your daddy. Yeah. A hug. And then what do you want to watch on TV? Or, you yeah. know, that was back in the day when, you know, I would phone on the landline yeah. and we would watch TV shows together. <laughs> I remember doing that. Do you remember yeah. doing that? <laughs> you phone and phone. Oh, is such and such an issue. Can, can, can such and such come to the phone? And you would sit there and then you just talk, I don't know, it's random like things. And, and, and then literally you'd watch, watch TV together on yeah. the phone. So it was normal things like that that really brought the normality back yeah. to our house and yeah. because obviously the house was different without daddy in it yeah. but things like that yeah. their presence in home in my home was um really appreciated um and yeah yeah just just being kids yeah. I think just really helped yeah um unhelpful things I think the first unhelpful thing was uh yeah that whole <laughs> announcement at school yeah. for me personally yes. and and um and I, I do just think it was because I just didn't want the attention. Yeah. I really didn't want the attention turned on me. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> one thing that was totally unhelpful was I had an audition for the City of Belfast School of Music Training Orchestra. Okay. Like the week after Daddy died. Goodness, right, okay. And my mum didn't tell anybody, didn't say anything in the audition, like to the, the panel. She didn't even tell my violin teacher at the time. I had to tell her. I don't think my mum even registered that she she had she to should. say anything. Yeah. It was, uh, obviously, with school, it, there was, mm -hmm. it was obviously the, the principal came and it was, it was news. Mm -hmm. But um, I think maybe it was an oversight that okay. she should tell my, my teacher and maybe even mention it to the panel that... I had no, I'd not prepared at all for this yeah. audition. Really wanted to get into the training orchestra as it was the next step into um, youth orchestra yeah. after that. And I remember playing as well as I could. Mum was, was waiting in the corridor outside of the audition room. I, I played my pieces and I think they were all right. Mm -hmm. And then, and then um, it must have been... Um, Oh gosh, what was the name of the the violin teacher at the time? Or it could have been. I think Paul McBride was um, the conductor of the training orchestra at the time, mm -hmm. and he just like opened the door to let me go, saying, "Oh, well done. We'll we'll let you know. Mm -hmm. um, thanks for coming." And <laughs> I collapsed into I just fell into tears, Aww. and then my mum started crying because it was obviously like, like. I don't know, a release of, you've done it, we've done it, and, you know, yeah. Daddy is with us. Like, we didn't Aww. even speak to each other, but I just came out, and then the tears started coming, and then my mum started crying, and then we are just hugging. My, I still had my violin in my hand, <laughs> and we were just hugging in the corridor. And, like, the panel were just, like, completely bewildered at this point. What on earth you doing? <laughs> like, like well, did you really want to get in the orchestra that bad? Your audition wasn't that bad, Claire. Yeah. yeah. But um, it was obviously a release of... All those emotions. All of those yeah. emotions coming out. And, and, and yes, my mum always wanted me to, to power on and yeah. in, in the spirit of daddy, yeah. you know. Um, 
but she really should have said something. Yeah. To, to the, the question is, did you get in? Of course I did. Yeah, I did. And that was, yeah, it was amazing <laughs> just to be part of that. And yeah. and that, yeah, yeah. And that's how I met Andrew then when I went to youth orchestra. Oh yes. Okay. Of yeah, course. Yeah. And did your mom power on, do you think, or did your mom take a bit of time out and how was that being at home, you know, I guess with a, with a you know, grieving wife or whatever, but obviously your mom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, looking back, yeah, my mom, it took a long time for her yeah. to just gather herself, I think. Okay. Uh, not, that's really not, not that you want somebody to gather themselves, but um, to, to, to just go about daily tasks, I've I think. I've heard them talk about functioning grievers mm. and um how long it takes you to be a functioning griever oh wow so I guess it's kind of like that yes. it maybe took her a while to become a sort of fully functioning griever yes um I, yeah yeah actually yeah because she really yeah I remember being at the funeral and mum like wailing like crying I've never heard her make such sounds yeah. and again my little self-conscious 14-year-old self was like, oh my goodness, mommy. Mommy. Inside, I was like, oh no. Like, this is so embarrassing. For me, I was just like, no, keep it inside, keep it inside. And do you think that is partly a cultural thing, you know, about how we deal with things? You know, you said your mom's from the Philippines. Do you think that that is, you know, Northern Irish people are (laughs) different? It really is. It really is. And I am totally Northern Irish when it comes to that. I was like, keep it inside keep it <laughs> mommy what are you doing I am scundered right now yeah. like that was that was my inner monologue yeah when I should have just not been thinking about that yes. and but yes so my mum's from the Philippines and they are very very open about yeah. that kind of thing it's probably much better to be honest oh totally yeah. oh yeah it was completely it was keening yes. it was lamenting it was yeah. just getting all of that out of her like okay and I do said it took a while for her to be a functioning graver yeah but she needed to get all of that out of her system yeah and for me because I was that bit younger and I didn't let that happen for myself yeah I, th- I then find it manifested in different ways yeah and obviously my mum is still dealing with the passing of my daddy yeah but um I definitely went through a, a period in my later teens yeah. where I just didn't, I, because I didn't deal with or, or let my emotions out properly, yeah. um, that I, it, things were internalized and, and, and the grief came out maybe in different ways, yeah. you know. So what kind of thing do you mean? Were you <laughs> wild or? Um, okay. Yeah, I think I didn't have a great relationship with my mom. Well, not, not a great not not a bad relationship but I think I stopped communicating with her a little bit yeah afterwards um and you know when I say I went a wee bit off the rails I kind of just I was always a good girl I was I did really well in school but um you know like everyone lied and said I was going to a friend's house when I was going out somewhere different you know and um (laughs) just a little bit more rebellious and I think a lot of people go through that stage but I do think that not having daddy around didn't help didn't help um he would have seen straight through it (laughs) and my mum my mum was just a little bit naive when it came to that kind of thing um 
But uh, I was also doing the things my friends were doing. <laughs> and they didn't even have the excuse. They didn't have the excuse. And did but, you ever go back and like get some counselling or talk to anybody about it? Or is it just one of those things that you sort of dealt with as the years have come? No, I never had any formal counselling or anything like that. Yeah. It's just, I think, um, almost like talk, talking to other people yeah. um, who have had similar experiences yeah. is, a, is a therapy for me. Like... Yeah. Um, and I do still sometimes feel myself getting like w- like a weak frog in my throat or yes. the tears welling up. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is 20 years ago. Yeah. Literally, he died in 2002. We're coming up to 2022 next year. Yes. 20 years ago, I've lived with with him in my life for only 14. And, yeah. you know, so. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, I actually worked through a lot of it myself. Mm-hmm. Um acknowledging that some of the emotions that I was maybe feeling or, or the behaviours that yeah. I uh, were displaying were actually not because of some other person. Yeah. It was actually all because of my, you know, lost relationship with that, yeah. with dad, you know. And I know you've had some other grief in your life. Do you think having one grief in some way prepares you for another type of grief or is each one sort of fresh itself? Um, that's a really good question. Um, or to answer maybe. Yeah. Um, cause I, I believe, I believe for me, it definitely has. Yeah. Um, I had such a lovely relationship with my dad, yeah. like sharing the music, um, yeah. with him. And because music is such a massive part of my life now, like, yeah. Um, I just like going through that and that was, <laughs> and, and at a young age mm-hmm. where everything just seemed to be really difficult. Yeah. Um, I, I do feel like it did kind of set me up Yeah. in a way, mm-hmm. um, not, not to be strong for whenever other, like, um, when other, when other, there is other loss in life, but, um, I don't know I, I kind of it's kind of weird like you can kind of rationalize it like oh well I wasn't as close to them as I was with that yeah and um, I don't know that probably comes across really badly but um I don't think you know that was such that was such a big loss for me at that stage yes that I feel like anything else that comes my way I can manage yes you know yeah I, I, and that sounds really I don't know if it sounds cold or something, yeah. but I feel like anything else that can come my way, I'll give, I'll be able to get through it. It will be manageable. Yeah. You know? I wish I felt like that. That's... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I go, oh, goodness, but no, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, so obviously you're a musician and you've talked a little bit about, you know, music and the music even that you played straight after, you know, after you heard that your daddy had died. Yeah. But how would you say music has sort of helped you in general with grief or is it one of those things that you just play it and then occasionally you kind of think oh yeah that actually you know or memories are to do with music yeah um Aqualia music is like oh it's just it's a healer yeah. in so many ways um and it's, it's I was never really a singer as a, as a child okay singing is something that's come it's just it's come out of me yeah like as in the, the years last have gone on. yeah yeah in the year, as, as I've I suppose find more confidence in myself okay um, and yeah, like, just kind of going back to my, 
my train my youth orchestra or training orchestra audition um I felt when I was playing the violin that I was doing it for daddy you know yeah. and daddy was there he's watching me okay he's not in the corridor yeah but he is wanting me he's, he's saying yeah you're 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 sounding great Claire you're you're fine you're yeah. gonna get in and then you know you're gonna play all these amazing pieces of music um and yeah so that idea of anytime I, I would play like dad is there yeah mm-hmm. and that has so that from the early stages through to like like playing just in the house yeah. for fun I remember you saying you still play for your mom sometimes don't you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and <laughs> I didn't for a long time okay. um just that awkward teenage years but after daddy died I would play for myself and she would come into the room and I'd stop okay um I think I was almost afraid of upsetting her okay yeah and because I you know because as I said mum's really open and you know would cry at the drop of a hat especially yeah. if it's to do with dad and and dad taught me so many songs uh-huh. so if when I play them she just thinks of him yeah you know and um but uh but yeah that's something that I've actually now been able to do and it's really lovely yeah. the last load of years you know um if she's in the house and I'm out in the music room and she'll go oh you want to play something or I I will actually volunteer just do it yeah when she's around yeah you know um and she really appreciates that she never really well she will say she's like oh just it's like and are you able to kind of pass that on to your own children now and tell them about your dad or have you not really had that opportunity yet I know they're quite little still yeah yeah now James would see photos and okay. he'd be like, oh, who's that? And we always have to remember, that's your, your Lolo. Because that's Granda in in Filipino, okay. Tagalog. And because he, he has um, his granny and granda on the other side. Yes, but he okay. has Lola, which is his granny on, on you know, uh, Filipino granny. Yeah. Um, and there's lots, there's many more photos of my dad in, in my mum's house. Yes. Um. So when he goes there, you know, she'll talk about, oh, it's your Lolo. But there's not, there's not so much yeah. of a connection there because it's just, he's just a photograph, a photograph. Yeah, at the no, moment. I... Um, but as he gets older, like, yeah. um, you know, I think he, he, he loves when I play. Yeah. And he knows that um, I got my music from, from Lolo. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's just always that. Yeah. There'll always be the connection. Yeah. And whenever he starts to play, because he will start to play at some <laughs> point, <laughs> um, I'll say that's that's your Lolo's music, you yeah. know, coming out of you. So. so I'm just thinking, Claire, you said you're nearly 20 years on. Um, and I'll ask everybody this at the end of the podcast. So the question is, are you over it yet? Um, I don't think it's something to to get over I don't think I ever want to get over having my my daddy with me or losing him yeah you know I think that those um having him in my life and losing him has been such an experience Mm -hmm. you know I'm so fortunate to have experienced 14 years of him doting on me and Uh um making me laugh and all that and and growing up with me or or watching me grow up and you know showering me with love and attention um and obviously sharing music with me like that and then that and and then losing that um is 
is an equally, oh, um, I wouldn't say important, I'm trying to find the right word for it, but it's definitely an experience that I, not that I wish it, obviously I wish it wouldn't have happened, but I think it helped to, to make me who I am now. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I think I'd be a completely different person if that didn't happen. Yeah. You know? Um, and I don't actually think for the better. Yeah. You know, it's kind of shaped my my teenage years. It's mm-hmm. it's really been formative, you know, during my formative years. Yeah. Um, and it really allowed me to look inward whenever I was troubled, like, or having troubles um, and going through turbulent times. Um, that idea of reflecting in and going, well, what is, what's the deeper issue here? Is it, is this maybe anger coming out of, yeah, it's, it all relates back to, to dad. Yes. And that I find really, um, yeah, like, I don't know. Um, I just feel like I, I know myself a bit more. Yeah. Whereas if things had been all hunky-dory and you walked me down the aisle, then, you know, it would, it would be, I would be a different person. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a bit more carefree. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't think, even though like people do say, oh, you're, you're so upbeat and positive and I'm like, well, I am. Mm-hmm. And despite, despite that, yes. you know, mm-hmm. and I think that is, it's nice to know that, um, yeah, like it, like I, you know, I, he's, he's still with me. He, I'm still, his personality is, yeah. is still coming through in me. Yeah. Um, and there's always that lightness as well. So, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so, in other words, it's not really something you ever completely, you ever com- even want to get over. No, I, I think. don't think. No. Yeah. It's not something I want to get over. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. So. Claire, thank you so much for coming and chatting to me. I really, really enjoyed that. I found that really interesting. So hopefully everyone listening will find it very interesting. Yeah. Um, Thank thank you so much. Thank you.